Welcome to Gathering Gold, a podcast for highly sensitive souls. I'm Cheryl Paul, a counselor trained in the Jungian depth psychological tradition. And I'm Victoria Russell, Cheryl's niece and co-host. This podcast explores some of the themes highlighted in my book, The Wisdom of Anxiety, and my Conscious Transitions blog. Join us as we dive into the realms of our inner worlds to ask deep questions, grow more self-trust and self-love, and embrace sensitivity, creativity, and the rhythms of the natural world. If you would like to connect with me, Victoria, and others in the Gathering Gold listener community and support the podcast to help us continue our work, please consider joining our Patreon at patreon.com slash gatheringgold. To learn more about Cheryl's course offerings, including courses to support you in breaking free from anxiety in all forms, learning to trust yourself, and becoming more comfortable with uncertainty, please visit Cheryl's website, conscious-transitions.com. You can also find us on Instagram, Cheryl is at Wisdom of Anxiety, and I am at Perennials Podcast. Thank you for listening. We are very excited to be here with Michelle Kenny, who runs Peace and Parenting and has the Instagram page of that same name. And I met her through Instagram. Love your page so much. Love where you're coming from. Love everything you write about. I love your podcast. Um, And so I had the pleasure of being on Michelle's podcast a few weeks ago. We recorded and we are very excited. Victoria and I are thrilled to have you here to hear about your parenting journey. And I know you have a new book coming out which is very exciting. Yes. Um, So if you want to share about that and share anything you would like to share about what the book is about and how you arrived here. Okay, great. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you both of you guys for having me on. I so, so appreciate it. Thanks, Cheryl, for coming on my podcast. That was an incredible episode. I think it'll be out soon. So I'm excited to share with everyone. Um, And your, your people can come take a listen to it too. Yes. So yes, I have a new book coming out and it's called Unpunished and it's Mm. one part my journey and, you know, kind of where I came from and where I am now and how I've gotten there and some like real anecdotes that um, were my own and then some anecdotes from people I've helped and Mm. then some, you know, some things that I think are important if you want to move away from using punishments and you want to move into parenting without them, these are some ideas that will really help you kind of move in that direction as far as your mindset and some practical things. And that's kind of what it is. It's coming out. It should be pre-sale in the next couple of weeks. So exciting. What a fantastic title. Thank you. Thank you. I'm excited. I'm excited. Yes. I love it. So we'd love to hear about your parenting journey and the quest to be a perfect parent and how that all went down. Yeah. Actually, the fir- the intro to my book is all about that idea, mm-hmm. the perfect parent. And I think I leaned deeply into perfection as an adult because I tried really hard to stay away from shame. 
And it was kind of something I grew up with a lot of punishments and ridicule and belittlement. And so I would do whatever I could to stay away from it as an adult. And so parenting brought it to the penultimum (laughs) of Mm. trying to be perfect. And it was a, it was an impossible feat. And I, I think I was under this impression that I would be a really amazing mom because I was a teacher and I loved kids and I had spent, you know, 13 years in the classroom and I was a high school counselor and I loved my child, my students, and it didn't translate at all. (laughs) (laughs) Not a thing. And I think it was, it was a fall from grace that I wasn't prepared for. Mm. And I didn't have the relationships with my daughters that I wanted to have. They felt Mm. strained and icky and hard and full of power struggles and sibling rivalry and all the things that that sent me crying when I went to bed each night. Mm. So I at some point decided, I don't think these things are working, (laughs) the things I'm doing here. I think I have to do something new because Mm. I was punishing to the end and rewarding to the end. And my strong-willed, lovely older daughter just wouldn't have it. She just Mm. didn't care. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Thank goodness though, because you know, I could have, I didn't, wouldn't have been able to pull myself out and make some changes had she not made me. Hmm. So even though you set out to parent without shame, shaming, mm-hmm. it still was coming out? Yeah. I mean, I think the first time she said no, when she was like two she, I was pregnant, which didn't help anything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she told me no. She was not putting her shoes on, and she took those shoes and threw them down the hallway. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what do you mean? I'm an attachment parent. I breastfeed. I co-sleep. I make baby food. I do all the things. You can't mm-hmm. tell me no. Mm-hmm. I thought I would avoid a child who ever – would be defiant because Mm. I thought, oh, I'm sticking in with this connection, this attachment, all the things. I wear my baby. I do the things. So she'll never tell me no. She'll just be a good kid. Mm -hmm. Because the attachment books don't tell you that your kids still (laughs) have their own will. Well, what I've learned is that actually the more attached you are, the bigger their voice, which is what we want in theory. (laughs) We want to raise children who can say no and have a voice and not be good girl and good boy and good little humans. Mm -hmm. But then when it happens, it's kind of shocking. Yeah. And I think in retrospect, you're right. Like she felt strong enough and confident enough in our relationship to tell me no. I was not strong enough. Yes. It took me down. I was like, oh, no. Uh uh-uh. uh. And so I went to yelling, then I went to rewards, then I went to punishments, then I went back to rewards, then I went to star charts, then, you know, and then just mm. circled and circled and nothing worked. Mm hmm. Until? 
until I found this idea of connective parenting, which can be mm-hmm. akin to respectful parenting, gentle parenting. I think it's a tiny bit different, but they're all mm-hmm. in the same vein. But the in particular, hand-in-hand parenting is where mm-hmm. I landed mm-hmm. um, because somebody said, you should try hand-in-hand parenting. I was like, I'll try whatever you tell me to try. Like, I'm done. Yes. <laughs> yes. yes. Mm-hmm. So we- and so tell us – like the basic premise of hand-in-hand connective parenting. So I think the the real like basic idea is that you prioritize the relationship really over all else if you can. You really mm-hmm. try to move in the way that all your interactions preserve relationship. Mm-hmm. And if they don't feel like it, what you're doing is preserving the relationship, then it's probably not what you should want to be doing. Mm-hmm. And of course, we all make mistakes. We're all going to yell occasionally or say the wrong thing or lose our mind and threaten them or whatever it is. But I mm-hmm. think just if you have the basic understanding that I do want to come with connection to preserve the relationship, I know I'll screw up, but I'm still trying. That that's kind of yes. the idea. And that when the connection is foremost and the and the preservation of the connection is foremost, that the relationship can tolerate messing up, right? right? It can tolerate losing your mind, yelling, saying things you wish you hadn't said, shaming once in a while, not as like an everyday thing, but as a once in a while, we're all going to lose it as parents. But the relationship is solid enough that you can repair fairly easily and move on. So from the time that you started to learn about hand-in-hand parenting – I think it's such a great story that you have because you had the initial experience of fracturing the relationship for on both. This is not working. There's mm-hmm. yelling. There's shaming. There's punitive. There's there's all that, and then flipping into a whole different model mm-hmm. and actually shifting the relationship. Like how long before you started to see changes in the relationship with your daughter? Right away. Mm. Almost immediately. She was five and a half, six. And almost immediately, I could see that she would light up and change when I used connection. Mm. That she just, she ate it up really. And it changed her demeanor. And you would, I would see like glimpses. Like on Tuesday, I had this incredible moment with her. Well, the rest of Tuesday was not so good. The beginning of mm. Wednesday was bad. And the end of Wednesday, we had an incredible night together. Mm. And then those little moments started to just like string together. So you had so many more each day and we built and built and built. And mm. now it's a lot easier than it ever has been. It's mm. incredible. So going back to the two-year-old example of put on your shoes, no. How would you handle that from a connective parenting model? Well, my go-to, and I say this to everyone who will listen, is play. Mm. Play is really the way in which I feel like you have such an incredible opportunity to build in connection while also motivating behavior. And Mm. so if with that kid, I would just be like, oh, What? You're not going to put those shoes on? Oh, I love those little shoes. Let me take those shoes. I'm going to put those shoes on my – let me see if they're fit on my feet. Oh, I love red shoes. Those Mm -hmm. are my favorite. 
you know, and with a two-year-old, they'll be like, no, they're my shoes, or you can't put them on your big feet. I'm like, well, please, I want them so badly. Can I please have those shoes? Mm-hmm. And so can you engage in that way? And I use that with my 17-year-old still. Yeah. Really? Yeah, because she'll say, oh, you're so annoying. I'm like, am I? Am I really annoying? I don't, I think you might need a kiss. That's why you're saying that. You might need a <laughs> hug from your mama, right? Yeah. And she'll be like, oh, my God, fine. Just, just get it over with. And then I give her the hug. And then it's like it's broken. It's cracked that disconnection, right? It's just it – just, it's like a little tiny crack and then you can get in there with them. Mm. Mm. So what if I'm just sort of like hearing our audience's – you know, questions yeah. in the choir. And I think I felt this, especially in their younger years. What if you don't think of yourself as a playful person and yeah. those things don't just come to you? Because it takes a certain amount of lightheartedness, creativity, letting go, silliness to yeah. even be playful. Well, I'll tell you what. I had a coach long ago, that my first coach who ever helped me, and she said, I really, I think your kids would really benefit if you could be playful and play with them and get on the floor. And I, and I looked at her and I was like, no, 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 no. I'm sorry. I don't think you understand. <laughs> I'm a high school teacher and we don't, we don't play. We, right. we, we cook, we drive people places. We give great advice, but we don't play mm-hmm. with the kids. <laughs> right. So that was your starting point. That was my starting point. And then I had – and she was like, well, I think we need to really dig deep here. Why don't you play? Hmm. Who didn't play with you? What was play like in your home? What was play like these first few years with your kids? Hmm. Let's dig deeply into this and let's mourn the fact that you didn't have anyone who ever played with you. You don't know how to play because you were never played with, with an, hmm. by an adult. And so I think getting in there has really helped me – loosen up mm. and practice. I had to really practice how to be fun. Mm, right. So the willingness to dig deep, be reflective, look at your own wounds. There might be pain around mm-hmm. play yeah. for some parents if that was a longing that wasn't met. Mm-hmm. And then being willing to be awkward and practice and see it as a learnable a learnable skill, really. Yeah. I taught myself if I can do it, the most like, you know, pretty pragmatic, serious, mm. high school Spanish teacher, mm. you can do it. You really can. And many people who say they don't, I don't, I can't, it's hard, it's whatever, their adult friends will tell them they're funny, right? But there's something that's disconnective in this parent-child relationship where we, our ego, I think, gets involved and we have a hard time moving there. We have a hard time moving to that playfulness. Mm. Yeah, so good. I'm so curious what you're writing down over there, Victoria, and what <laughs> where your mind is scintillating. Michelle, I told you when we first got on that I've listened to your podcast a bunch and I'm not a parent. And I just find the techniques that you talk about so helpful for relationships, period. Like I talk a lot on this podcast about using like humor and playfulness in my relationship with my partner. Like if we have a conflict and shifting the energy a little bit from Mm -hmm. anger to play. Um, And some of that is from listening to you talk about it and, and then thinking like, yeah, that does 
help us a lot, like being able, like you said, to kind of crack the disconnection. Um, so I'm, yeah. I'm curious. I don't want to shift away from, you know, specifically talking about parenting too much, but I am just kind of curious how, how this has all impacted your relationships in general with yourself and with other people. Yeah, that's such a good question. Mm-hmm. I I think I've become a better person. I think I actually have become a better person. I think I've become more empathic. I didn't I wasn't as bad as I was at play, I was at empathy as well. So I had to teach myself how to be an empath. Mm-hmm. And that was a really hard steep learning curve for me too because I didn't feel empathy because no one empathized with me growing up. So I had mm-hmm. to go deep and you know, I'd gone through 10 years of therapy and talking about empathy wasn't something that ever came up. I don't know why, but it didn't. And so in parenting, it came right to the forefront. Like how how do you be empathic for feelings even if you don't feel like this kid deserves it, right? And so it made me be a better empath for my friends, for my family, even for my dad. My dad and I are really close. He was on the podcast. He does this connected parenting with me with the girls but it helped me see him more empathically and be empathic to him. And he never experienced it as a kid. And it it melts him. It mm. melts his defense. And I think it does that for a lot of your relationships if you're able to be that person for someone. Mm. That is so beautiful. So tell us how you got your father – <laughs> to do connective parenting beat, with you. I beat him. <laughs> <laughs> you gave him rewards and punishments. <laughs> do it or die. <laughs> you bribed him. You gave him uh, ultimatums. Uh, yes, I did. No, I I mean, it was it was a little bit of beating. I mean, it was like, this is what, you know, he was our secondary care, caretaker. He moved mm. to LA to be with us, to help mm. us with the kids. He moved down the street. He's there every single day, 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. when the kids were tiny. He was mm. my my manny. And um, I had to say, like, um, we have many, many fights. Like, I'm sorry, you can't talk to her like that. Like, we're not doing this. This mm-hmm. isn't the way it's going to be. And I found out very quickly that wasn't the way I should have come to him. Um, and I had to learn how to come to him. And it was more, you know, this is my experience. I'm struggling too. I'm trying to learn this stuff. I I need you to be on board with me because I I'm I'm fall I'm failing. I feel like I'm failing at this parenting stuff, and I would love you to try this. Let's just try it. Mm. And then we, you know, I would give him material to read and basically trained him along with training myself. But we had we had our moments where it was not was not beautiful. That's a really powerful difference in terms of a way to come to somebody like this is the way we're doing it and either deal with it or you're out versus I need your help. I'm struggling with this too. Can we learn this together? Would you be willing to read this? And the, and he did. He did, you know, he's um, sober. He's been sober for a couple decades. And, and Mm. so I think he has that sort of work mindset where he will work on himself. Mm. But it was a it was a big stretch. Mm. Wow. Hats off to him. I know. He's a good man. We're lucky. Yes, that's incredible. 
So I know this was kind of one of your questions, Victoria, in terms of being around families in your yeah. own family who might be parent. And how would do you want to ask it? You said it so well when we were talking about it. Yeah, just again, kind of from the perspective of someone who isn't a parent, but you know, I'm part of like a village of people, you know, in family with I have nieces and nephews. I know that there are there are lots of people who are adults who are an important part of kids' lives. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious what it looks like to integrate some of this connection when you're not the parent and you want to respect the parent and how they do things. Mm-hmm. But you want to try to offer this too. Does that ever mm-hmm. come up with people who? Yeah, that yeah. and then then the other, the opposite, right? Where the parents are, yeah. where the extended family is trying to tell you how to parent and you're right. trying to do it differently. So I think those two right. things come up. Um, I I like to do this stuff with my kids' friends, my very best friends' kids, mm-hmm. and I always do special time with them. So when I'm around like my best friend's daughter, who I will go there into San Francisco. And every time I'm like, I need my, I need my Harper time. Like I got to have my time with you. Like, and we have a really good relationship because of that. So I just keep it at that. Like I'm here to give my time to you when you want it unfettered, you know, you and I one-on-one, even if my kids are around, I'm trying to do that with my friend's kids mostly. We don't have nieces and nephews. I wish we did. (laughs) But I think I would do the same thing. Like I would want to forge my own relationship. If I had nieces or nephews, I would want to forge my own relationship with them that was outside of everyone else. Mm. Mm. Can you say a little bit more about special time? Because I feel like that's so important. Special time is so special. (laughs) It Mm. really is. And some people will be like, oh, I'm not that into it. And I find if you do it in this very prescribed way, which seems dogmatic, but there's so many reasons why, and I can go deeply into those or not, but this dogmatic prescribed way really is effective. It You spend 20 minutes one-on-one with a child and people will say to me, well, I'm with my kid all day or you know, I spend three hours at night with them. But it's different when you label it, this is our yours and mine special time. Mm. I'm putting my phone down. I'm focusing my attention on you. I'm not letting anyone interrupt us. I'm not walking away to to check on my email. I'm not even going to I won't cook. I won't do anything. And when we think about the time we spend with our kids, it's a lot of that. It's a lot of fractured back and forth, multitasking, doing this, doing that, getting chores done. That's not it's great, but it's not very connective. Mhm. When we say, this is your time, I'm gifting it to you. It's yours. Mm -hmm. We're going to do whatever you want. Mm -hmm. We give control because they get controlled all the time and we want to give them control so that they can have some agency in their life because often they don't. Mm -hmm. It means something different. And when you do it on the regular, every day, every day, every day, it builds in this beautiful way. Mm -hmm. So the basic parameters are 20 minutes. The child chooses what we do. Mm -hmm. I, as the parent, put away any distraction. Mm -hmm. And does the child also put away their screens? What if the child says, I want to play a video game with you? 
that one, I get this one all the time. It's, it's a good one too. I like to say, you could do whatever you want, but I, in my mind, I don't love the screens being part of it. So mm-hmm. I say screens are not part of special time. I set it up from the beginning, no screens. However, every once in a while, I will relent and say, all right, drag me into your TikTok feed. Let's check it out, Pia. What do you got going on in there? And she'll get so excited. So, you know, like every once in a while, I get a lot of kudos and a lot of special points by allowing the electronics. But for the most part, I like to keep them out. Yes. Okay. So setting that up from the beginning, that special time does not include screens. Yeah. And we time it. We really time it for ourselves. When the timer goes off, it's over. It seems like it's less our control and it's more just like, this is the 20 minutes. These are parameters. Mm. I'm not just deciding arbitrarily, okay, we're done. Mm. Hmm. That seems like it makes it feel a lot more manageable for the parent or the, yes. the adult. Yeah. <laughs> it's really for us. Like, timer's up. Yeah. Okay. We're done, guys. Sorry. <laughs> and then we thank them and we say, this was, thank you for joining me. Thank you for letting me into your world. I can't wait to do it tomorrow. Mm. And have you continued this with your two teenage daughters? Yes. <laughs> and they ask me. What are some examples of how they choose to spend oh my special gosh. time? Esme wants me to watch her eat. This has been of late. Can you come in the kitchen and watch me eat? I'm like, really? It's ten. It's ten thirty. Um, okay. You know. So I'm watching her eat. Really, she just wants to talk, right? But she yes. wants me to come out and be with her and be in the, you know. And mm. Pia wants me to watch her dance because she dances. Mm. And mm. Pia also will just say, "I need special. Can I just come in?" And she'll just come in my room and sit on my bed, and she just wants me to cuddle her. Hmm. Yeah. It's so sweet. It is because now we have our safe space that we created since they were baby, little kids. Yes. And I love that because um, it does seem so doable. It's 20 minutes. Like You can always carve out 20 minutes. And one of the things that came up yesterday in our gathering was the busyness, the stress, the, the pace, how fast – the pace is how really challenging it is to be fully present with your children. Um, there's so many demands. There's too many demands. It shouldn't be this way. We should all have the grandpa, the manny. We should all have the village, the cousins, the aunts. It's it's too much on one or two people. But the 20 minutes makes it like that's a doable goal that I think I would think almost anybody could find that 20 minutes. Yeah. Um, but people yeah. have a hard time when they have multiple kids. So this is something I hear a lot. And it, that's a reality, right? You've got the baby and the two-year-old. That's yes. tough. That's so hard. Do you do it when you put the baby down for the nap? Do you make sure you're doing the 20? Does it become a logistical nightmare sometimes? Absolutely. And yes. it won't always be perfect. And maybe you won't always get to it every day. Mm-hmm. But we just set that lofty goal and we hope that we get in as many as we can. We don't beat ourselves up when we don't. Mm-hmm. And we like it when all parents, all parenting people are doing it because it, it's not really enough. If I'm just doing it, like whoever else is parenting my kids could should do it too so that they can form this deep bond with them as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So 
here's what's coming up for me, and I want to speak to it because I imagine other people listening. I think it's a place that comes up for parents. Um, we have not done like official special time with our kids. Mm-hmm. I think we've done a pretty good job parenting, but the perfectionist in me is going, oh, no. No. <laughs> I've totally effed up. Like no. I <laughs> – <laughs> like, no way, Michelle, Cheryl. <laughs> Michelle spends, they ask for special, they come and they do it every, oh my gosh, and mine's about to leave and I've totally blown it and no. No, no you haven't blown it. <laughs> That's what's coming up for my perfectionist. So I wanted to just name that because I think when we hear a such a great, it's so, such a beautiful thing, it's such a great idea. And then we hear it and we're already like 18 years in and we're like, damn it. But I think you can do it now, Cheryl. Yeah. Yeah. I think you in can. In my last seven months. <laughs> yes. I think you can say, I need to have, do you want to do special mommy time? And they're going to be like, no. And then you're going to be like, well, please. So I just said, and yeah. And I'm sure I you're mean, doing it anyway in a I certain think we way. Are. Yeah. I think we are. Like we spend a lot of one-on-one time with our yeah. kids. Um, it's just not structured and named in that way. And so the bigger part of me trusts there are many ways to do parenting well. Yes. And even if I haven't done special time in this structured way, it's okay because the point is connective parenting, right? That's like right. there are many inroads and there are many ways to get there and yes. it's going to look different in different families. I think when people are struggling to connect, to have that kind of framework must be life-changing. I, I can imagine how life-changing it can be. I mean, it was for me because I was so disconnected and mm-hmm. I didn't have any good one-on-one time happening. I didn't know what that was. I was too busy Mm. doing tasks and Mm. trying to get through my stuff and I needed to slow myself down to do that. So for me, Mm. yes. But I do think many people do special time in their own way. Mm -hmm. This is just one tiny aspect of connective parenting that is a useful tool for parents. You don't have to do it, Mm -hmm. but it is – it is a useful you, tool. Yeah, yes. it is a useful tool. It yes. Is. No, I love it. I love yeah. it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a cute. It's very sweet when you can get to that spot and the little kids are saying, I want more special time. <laughs> yeah. So sweet. Mm. Yeah. I love that you brought up the perfectionism, Cheryl, because Michelle, you just had a great episode recently of your podcast. I think the title was just Parenting is Hard. Is that? Oh, yeah. Right? <laughs> my rant? You mean my rant? <laughs> no, it was not a rant. It was My tantrum? So, <laughs> it was fantastic. You were just like, it's hard and sometimes I don't like it and sometimes I don't want to do it. And I'm just thinking about like people must deal with all sorts of resistance within themselves um, when parenting. And being like, well, where's my special time? Or, you know, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. or I haven't had a second to myself. I have mm-hmm. nothing left to give or whatever mm-hmm. it might be. And I just thought that was such a, an honest, funny, compassionate, empathetic, extremely empathetic um, 
episode. Mm. It was great. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I think I was mo- – it's more like a tantrum, I think. It really was like I want to run away and move to Hawaii by myself. Mm-hmm. And I'm counting down the days until my kids go to college. And and some days I'll say that out loud and some days I'll be like, no, 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 stay. But, you know, I think there are days. You're right. We just – it's too much. It's a lot. It's a big ask to be the emotional support for another human being. Like complete emotional support, financial support, mm. everything support for one person, let alone if you have two or three or four kids. Mm. It, I, it, it's, it's, it's too much. And I think what you just spoke to, Victoria, is such an important piece, which I'm sure you speak to all the time, Michelle, in terms of our own self-care being part of the formula. That what if we also built in 20 minutes of our own special time? Yeah. Whatever that means without screens, that doesn't mean zoning out on Netflix. That means actually intentional pouring mm-hmm. back in mm-hmm. with our own practices that a 20-minute walk or – you know, maybe listening to a podcast or, you know, sitting near a tree, going for whatever it is that really fills us. And again, not two hours, but almost like it's minute for minute in terms of if I can pour into myself for 20 minutes, mm-hmm. I will then have that to give. Not that it's, you know, that we can measure minute it. Minute for like minute. <laughs> yeah. Not that we can measure it minute for minute, but something like that, right? Yeah. Well, um, hand-in-hand parenting has a component of that because Patty Whitfler is a genius. I just want to say she's the founder. And if you Mm -hmm. haven't looked into hand-in-hand or her, you should. She's my mentor and I I, I adore her. I think everything comes out of her mouth is is gold. But Mm -hmm. the the component to hand-in-hand parenting, that's the parent component. So she has five what she calls listening tools. And the last tool is called listening partnerships. And I use this in my practice. So if you work with me one-on-one or you join my membership or you join my subscriptions, I try to pair you up with a parent who is also parenting in this way. And I teach you how to listen. So you you get on the phone with them 20 minutes a week, we hope, if you can, or 30 minutes, 15 minutes each, where you get to have your tantrum and download and they listen and you do the same thing for them. And you have this beautiful reciprocal relationship where you're able to offload and say, you know what? If I have to listen to another tantrum, I'm going to lose it. And you're able to just, it really helps you calm down. (laughs) That's incredible. Yeah. That's the community piece of we are not meant to do this alone. Nope. You, You are pairing parents together so that they can mutually vent mm-hmm. and hold that space, get it out of their system so that they can then show up for their children with more presence yeah, and filling their well, renewing their resources, getting back on the saddle. Okay, yep. I've let it go. I've had my, my rant. Now mm-hmm. I can get back into the arena because it is hard and it does require – all of us. And if we don't have those safe spaces to rant and vent and tantrum, mm-hmm. right, it's going to come out on yeah. our children and we don't want it to come out on our children. Yeah. So um, I think it's just some of the most powerful work that you are doing in the world mm-hmm. because 
the intergeneration, like how whatever work people do on themselves, being able to pair people and bring people together in community, and then the ripple down that they are changing the next generation and maybe even the generation above, like your dad coming on board, right? Yeah. It's it's really, really powerful. Yeah. We do. These people I work with, they're changing the world. They really yes. are. These These parents are like, I thank them all the time. I'm like, thank you for doing this work for our society. I am so grateful you're putting people out into the world that you that feel seen and heard and understood and and, and don't need to fill themselves yes. in a different way and you're these all these wonderful people I work with they're doing this work. Okay, so I have a question for you and this comes up with my clients. Um what happens if one parent typically mm. probably the mother <laughs> is all on board, has read all the books, listens to all the podcasts, and she's like, hey, sweetie, let's <laughs> let's not do it that other way. And the uh. other parent, who's probably typically a man, typically the husband, is just comes home at the end of their long work day. Let's say it's more of a traditional man is bringing home the money, is, is the breadwinner, and mom is – raising the children. Mm -hmm. And dad comes home, they're exhausted, they're mm -hmm. spent, they're mm -hmm. still on their phone, the work is demanding, and they're, they just – they don't have it in them yeah. to learn another way to do this. They're, they're reverting to how they were parented. Yeah. I see it all the time. <laughs> um, yes. And so do I. You, I do also see some incredible parents – couples who come together and do it. So I do mm -hmm. see that too a lot, mm -hmm. male, female, all across the board. Mm -hmm. But when we have one parent who is just unable to get there or doesn't want to get there or is having a hard time getting there, you know, before I was of the mind like, okay, we're going to we're going to help them get there, get my bootstraps on, we're going to convert them and <laughs> and it just doesn't work like that. <laughs> I've, right. And I, I know that now. And I think it's like I tell my clients, lead by example. Do your very best work with your kids. Know that your partner, if they're a good person, you married them because of, they're a good person, they will see it when they're ready mm. to see it. And they will come mm. along and you keep planting the seeds and you keep kindly coming to them and you come to them with empathy when they're having a hard time with the kids. And you come to them with play and you use the same techniques with your spouse. You'll get them there, but it's just going to be a road. Mm. Yeah. And one of those same techniques with the spouse is making sure that there is couple time, yeah. that there is special time. We do special time for the couples. I tell uh -huh. them when I work with couples, okay, your homework is you do 10 minutes for her and 10 minutes for him or 10 minutes for whomever and whomever, and you that's your homework. Yes. Yes. Because how far that could go in terms of the one who's out in the world, kind of in another realm, not in the empathic, you know, relational realm, mm -hmm. getting some of those, get, getting fed by their partner when they come home. I don't want to be too gender stereotype biased, but it's typically what I see. Mm -hmm. um, and then maybe that fueling 
you know, the partner who's out in the world to, to bring a little bit more empathy, a little bit more slow down connection time, but it is painful, right? I, it's, mm-hmm. it's painful when you're all on board. If one person's mm-hmm. entirely on board with a very different model, like a 180 model mm-hmm. from how most people were raised, are raising their children, and then to see the other parents still yelling, still punishing, mm-hmm. like the the heartache of that. Yeah. And knowing that it's not loving for the children. No. Yes, they will be okay because they have the one the one parent, but it's really painful. It is. It is really painful. And it depends on the temperament of your spouse too, you know, how you come to them. Like if you have a really strong-willed spouse, you got to really tread lightly because you'd almost don't want to make it worse, you know, mm-hmm. by mm-hmm. pointing out what's going on. Mm-hmm. And another idea too is that our spouse will have the relationship they're going to have with their own kids. Mm-hmm. We can only do so much. Right. Right. And that is part, that's one of the hardest parts of parenting, not just in terms of that relationship, but there's so much that's out of our hands. There's so much that's out of our control. I know. Esme Esme right now has a job and her manager's being mean to her. And I was like, oh, I'm going to, I want to call that manager right now. I'm going (laughs) to, what's her name? Okay. Mm -hmm. I'm going down there. And I have to just let her suffer through it because she's learning so much and I don't want to. And it's like, we cannot, when we talked about this, we can't save them from all the suffering. No, we can't save them from all the suffering. And whatever happens at home, I mean, of course, if it's abusive, then yes, we step in. But 100%. um, Yes. And we know what that line is. I just wonder, yeah, I mean, that's probably enough said on that topic, but I think it's, I think it's worth bringing that in because I Mm -hmm. know it's, it's a challenge. It's a pain point. It is. It's a thing. For a lot of couples. Yeah. It's definitely a thing. thing. Mm -hmm. The other one other idea, and then we can stop on it, but the idea is that, um, you know, we have to think where were we six months ago or a year ago in our parenting? Were we even that better? And do they don't have the knowledge we have because if we're making this our study and our practice, they don't have the basic understanding. It's like we Mm. can't fault them too much for what they don't know, Mm. even if they're unwilling to listen to it. Yes. Yes. I feel like something that's hard now is like so many of my friends are like women who are married to men and they have kids and they're working full time too and they're doing this and that <laughs> breeds yes. a lot of – it's like, that, okay, man? it's not just like, you know, I'm coming home tired from work too, mm-hmm. but I'm finding yeah. time to do this reading and this <laughs> learning. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's – I mean – I'm not really adding too much other than I think that's hard. <laughs> yeah, you know? it's hard. It, it is. is hard. Yeah, relationships are harder than even parenting, I think, maybe sometimes. <laughs> Cheryl and I had a, an episode recently where we unpacked the Mary Oliver poem where she says, you do not have to be good. And we talked about like just what it means to be good or to want to be good all the time versus like being free. Um, mm-hmm. And what it means to feel like you have to like earn it or deserve it rather than just you have it. Um, And because your book is about parenting without punishment, 
I'm so fascinated by that because I feel like punishment is just, it's part of our society. It's like the micro and the macro level. It's just baked into us. Like, yeah, punishment. That's how we, that's how we function. So I'm just so curious, like what, what sort of resistance do you see come up for people, for parents around letting go of that? Like doing it, doing it a different way without punishment. Do you have an hour? (laughs) (laughs) You could go and read some of my crazy posts. Some of them that have a lot of likes. I don't know where they go, but they go to a place where people are deeply rooted in punishments. (laughs) And I think Mm -hmm. what comes up, there's some, there are some basic things, but what I see reoccurring in my comments is my kids won't learn right from wrong unless they have a punishment and that consequences and punishment teach children morality, Mm. that your children will be you know, unable to um, shoulder the burden of society because without having the punishments, you haven't taught them resilience and that that's how you get a kid. You're you're hard on a kid so that they can endure hard moments later in life. Hmm. The third one is that you will breed kids that are entitled because only kids who are punished learned learn how to temper their entitlement. So I think mm. those are the three themes that really come up for people. And it's crazy that I, in my mind, because I've been doing this for long, that just, all of that just seems ludicrous to me. Completely uh, makes no sense whatsoever. But for a big sector of our society, that is tried and true. And mm. you cannot deviate from that because if you do, you will be creating brats and horrible people. Mm. And that's those are the things that come up usually. And what's the truth? What what does punishment and yelling actually create in children? I mean, I think there's so many levels, but on, on just a basic level, it puts a kid into fight, flight, and freeze as soon as mm-hmm. you're punishing or they're yelling at them. And so their brain stops, you know, the front part of their brain, the thinking part of their brain doesn't get blood flow. So they can't make good decisions. So you push them deeper into their poor behavior and you don't give them a space to recover. Mm-hmm. I think also the punishments cause resentment toward your parent and anger toward your parent, which also puts your brain offline, but also ruptures the relationship deeply so that you don't trust your parent. And it also furthers the off-track behavior because now if you're angry and resentful and if you're a strong-willed kid, you're going to dig in deep. You're not mm-hmm. going to get out of it. And then mm-hmm. the other idea is that it doesn't allow you to get to your internal remorse, your internal guilt, and those internal mechanisms that help you form your morality and help you form your internal moral compass. Because if you're being punished and then you turn to anger, you've skipped that part where you would have gotten to self-remorse and shame, your own shame, to be able to learn how to correct. Mm-hmm. So I think, Mm. and there's more, but I think those are the big ones. Arriving at healthy shame versus the shame that punitive parenting engenders. I am a bad person. I am fundamentally a bad person. Yes. And I'm loved conditionally. Yes. And I'm loved loved conditionally. conditionally. Yes, I have to get it right. I have to be perfect. I have to do it according to how they want me to do it. Mistakes are I not acceptable. Mistakes are not acceptable. Um, less than perfect grades are not acceptable. My friends are not acceptable. All of these things that are really for the parents. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and then the child learns right that it's it's it becomes a source of shame yeah and if it happens over and over and over again this repeated you know punishment by the time a child is 13 12 they're like no thanks mom i don't want to hang out with you no yeah. thanks dad i don't want to be with you and i'm not going to actually adhere to your rules some kids will right other kids will people please and stuff their feelings and do the whole opposite. But we see that and hear about the strong-willed ones because they are strong-willed and big. Um, mm. And so they will just say, meh, I'll do what I want. I'll lie and I'll sneak and I'll do whatever yes. I can. Yes. Yes. Do you ever work with parents of grown children who are feeling remorse are recognizing that their anger, their yelling had a negative effect. Yeah. Um, and they want to make repairs and can they make, can they shift the relationship yeah. even with older children? Yeah. We start with special time. Hmm. Yeah, we do. I have, um, you know, parents of kids in their 20s who will come and say, what can I do to repair now? You know, I, I don't have a lot of contact with my kid and I read your posts and I, I wonder if I can do this and you totally can. It really is how to be with somebody that you're in a loving relationship with. It really isn't parenting if you think about it. It's just mm -hmm. how do I listen to feelings? How do I spend one-on-one -on -one time and show somebody that my time is important to them? How do I, you know, come with play when things are hard? How do I love somebody unconditionally? If they're a good person, we don't want to love, you know, people who aren't kind unconditionally. But how can I engage in a loving relationship with someone? Mm. Mm. Yeah, it's beautiful. I'm so shocked that you said you had to kind of learn that empathy because every time I listen to the podcast, I hear so much empathy in your voice and – I'm so curious what that was like for you. Did it take a long time? Was there like a switch moment or as you shifted to like, okay, I'm not going to punish even, like you said, even if it feels like this kid doesn't deserve for me to be <laughs> empathetic Empath or maybe yeah. on some level it feels like they should be punished or whatever. Just like what that was like for you. It was so hard, Victoria. Yeah. <laughs> I was like a fish out of water. I was like, Esme. I'm sorry you're having a hard time. I'm right here. <laughs> I was like, oh, really? She was like, mm, that's not very, that's pretty disingenuous, honey. Like, try again, you know? Like, I found for me, and I tell my clients this, that being quiet and present was the mm. gateway to my empathic nature. Mm. Just sitting and witnessing them go bananas, like witnessing the big, huge meltdown feelings and being there and not really saying much. And then it started helping me have empathy organically for her because then I could start see like, oh, she really is like, she's lost it. She's having, mm -hmm. she's out of her mind, mm -hmm. literally. And how can I not have empathy for this kid who's thrashing around like crazy, having these huge tantrums because she has all these pent up feelings. It helped me, I think, just being quiet. But yeah, it was uh, it was a work in progress. I was not I was not good, Victoria. <laughs> I was <laughs> no, robotic. That's, so that's very helpful to hear because I think, kind of like what Cheryl was saying about play. Like we sometimes think, I just oh my gosh, I'm just this monster who can't who can't stop being critical or something, or who who has a hard time just being warm or 
like yeah. whatever it might be in whatever context, it could be different, I think, in different contexts. To hear you say, I practiced and I wasn't good at it, this thing that so many people just think, oh, it should just come naturally. I am or I'm not. Mm-hmm. It's really yeah. helpful. Yeah. I think for people who don't know me too, listening, like I was the yeller, I was the perfectionist, I was the, you know, rewards and punishments. I was not a fun, kind, loving parent. I really, really wasn't. I was not doing well. And I had to make huge changes. And they still, to this day, I'll find myself yelling when I don't want to. I'll find myself saying something that is shameful when I don't want to. When I lose my mind, I still, after years of this, go to the wrong place sometimes. So I know how hard it is. And if you're out there thinking, oh, well, I can't be the perfect parent. This is insane. I'm not being, I'm not going to be able to do this stuff. Yeah, it's hard. It's a lot of work, but you can make change and it doesn't ever look perfect. Yeah. Do you think it's possible? I mean, I'm sure anything's possible, but the difference between reading the books and listening to the podcast versus working with a parenting coach or a therapist who's trained in this model. Can you speak to that piece? I feel like and um I feel like it's night and day. Mm-hmm. I feel like you can 100% get there if you listen to the podcast and you read the books, but you really have to dig deep. I think you have to do the soul searching deep part. Like you can't just learn how to say empathic words. Mm-hmm. Right, you have to dig deeper than that. You really have to get to why don't I want to play? Why is shame coming up for me? Why do I go to punishment right away? Like, if you can do that work on your own, then kudos to you. But that work has to be done because without that deep work, I don't know if you can fully make the one hundred percent transition that other way. Yes, and. That's a whole mysterious question in terms of why some people are willing and ready to do mm-hmm. that deeper work because it's not surface techniques. Like you're saying, it's not just learning the words. It's not just having 20 minutes of special time. Mm-mm. That will help, I oh, imagine. Yeah. That will help. But if you come from a trauma background, if you were punished, if you were abused, if you were yelled at, if you were shamed, if yelling was just part of your upbringing, Mm -hmm. um, I would think that it would require, like a a true internal shift would require being in therapy and or working with a parenting coach. But, But I guess the difference between, like you said, it was 10 years of therapy. Mm-hmm. You know, that you were willing to do that deep dive into your patterns and your places of pain and the ruptures. And, well, I'm not naturally empathic because I wasn't attuned to. So, how would I have learned that? And the pain, the deep pain, the crying out pain yeah. of that, right? And so, this is not for the faint of heart. Right. This is not a series of tools that you can just start to implement. Yeah. I mean, you can. And I think they're super helpful. Like you said, special time's awesome and it will infuse some connection. I tell this to people too. You can't do special time and then go home and punish your kids. Like it's mm-hmm. that's not gonna work. Or you can't, you know, you and you can't just get rid of punishments but not do the deeper work. Like it's a it's a big job, this reconstructing mm. yourself as a parent. 
The yes. tools of Hand in Hand are incredible. If you can get some support in your listening partnership, that's really good. But I think the deeper, darker work, you got to get to that level, however you do that, but you got to mm. get to that level so that you mm. can – that changes mindset. And then when the mindset changes, you don't need a script from me. You don't need a word about empathy. You don't need yes. special time. You don't need these things because you have an idea about how I can form a deep bonded relationship. Yeah. Yes. Mm. This is so wonderful. It's oh, like, thank you. Yeah. Yes. Really, really deep and rich and meaningful, Michelle. And please just say, if you have a minute, um, a little bit about what you offer in yeah. terms of your coaching work. So I offer, yeah, I have a lot of stuff going on. I almost feel like too much, but I have a membership. We meet on Zoom once a week on Monday mornings and everybody comes with their parenting questions. Mm. If you can't make it, you submit your question, we record it and we send it out to you. And Mm. it's become this little great community of people who all help one another, who've lots of them have become listening partners. Mm-hmm. Then there's that same idea in I, in an Instagrams called subscriptions. We have an ongoing chat where we're constantly chatting with one another, helping people through hard moments. It's just ongoing. We meet live once a week and everyone submits questions and I answer the questions and then they all get the replay or they can come live. Mm-hmm. Those two things. Then I have four online courses, one on siblings, one on yelling, one on cooperation, and one on big emotions. Those you will do all on your own. They're online. You can keep them forever and you just keep coming back to them as much as you want. They're all very lovely. And then if you can and you want to, you can work with me one-on-one. I work with people for six or eight or 10 weeks and we really dive deep and we Mm. really, those meetings are bespoke. They are not a curriculum. They are not a handout and a booklet and a this and that. I get in there and we dive and dig and go around and figure out and we make big movements. Beautiful. And we'll link to all of those yeah. in our show notes. Thank you so yeah. much Thank for being you. with us, Michelle. Thank you, guys. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. So nice to meet you, Victoria.